You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. As we all know, high school gives us opportunities to find our interests, whether that be getting into sports like football or basketball or studying advanced maths and science. Many of us have discovered our passion and hobbies during these formative years. The same thing happened to Nicole Brown. During primary school to high school, she discovered an immense love for studying, and it's this drive to learn that allowed her to pursue engineering. In this episode, Nicole Brown shares her past experiences in school and how she honed her passion for studying to become an engineering major at the University of Melbourne. Nicole Brown, thank you very much for sitting down and having a chat in this podcast episode. No problems, lovely to be here. What was your high school experience like? Yeah, I really enjoyed my time at high school. I felt like I sort of took advantage of all the opportunities that I had and was, yeah, pretty comfortable. Were you a good student? I was. I'd say you talk to most of my classmates, they would have called me the teacher's pet. I will say when my younger years of primary school and I think the start of high school, I was a bit self-conscious about, I guess, being the the nerd or being book smart or just enjoying homework. Uh, But when I got up to my later years in high school, I realised that just was who I was and um, it was something that I should be proud of. I would imagine you'd find the right friends within that mix anyway, people who had similar values to you, so it wouldn't have been too much of a problem? No, and even 10 years on from high school, still keep in touch with quite a few people. So, yeah, there was a a really good group. Out of interest, those people you're in contact with, what have they gone on to do with their careers? They're very broad range, to be perfectly honest. My closest friend's a doctor. Another is still studying to be a vet. A few have started families and are currently on parental leave. And through my, I guess, my high school graduating class, there was a lot of teachers and a a few in the exercise science space. So all of these people that you're friends with at high school, what was a normal day at high school like for you all? Um, I caught the bus to school, so sort of 20 minutes up the road on a bus. We started with a tutor group, we called it. I think others may call it homeroom or the start of the day where we just get the announcements. And then it was really the, the sixth class day, two morning, two middle of the day, two afternoon, 50 minutes each, I think, from memory. Uh, and then we just rotate through all our classes um, before the end of the day. So I think it was pretty much like clockwork, to be honest. What high school was this? Uh, I went to Bax Marsh Grammar, so just west of Melbourne. You mentioned before your friends, the people you're associating with, you've all kind of gone into diverse areas of life. Uh, how did you decide or how did you come to realise at high school that engineering was probably the career path for you? I didn't decide I wanted to be an engineer until halfway through year 12. Start back, primary school, I always wanted to be a marine biologist. So absolutely loved dolphins growing up and thought that that was a really cool profession if I could work with them every day. Until I found out that in order to study marine biology, you had to cut up animals to learn about them and decided that wasn't quite for me. Then you get into the early high school years and I realised, or unfortunately I grew up playing gymna- uh, doing gymnastics or playing netball, so both sports that are not overly good for your joints and therefore spent a lot of time with physiotherapists and osteos. So until halfway through year 12, I decided that I wanted to be an osteo because I wanted to help others in the same way they had helped me. In year 12, my parents sort of sat me down and said, this is all you've wanted to be. Have you thought about anything else? And to be perfectly honest, the answer was no. I hadn't thought about anything else. I'd been so focused on what it was that that's what I wanted to be. So they sent me off to do a test called the Morrisby Profile. 
I don't remember a lot from the day, but it was a series of tests that tested different areas and different aptitudes. And the output of the test was the top 10 professions that suited your skill set. So for me, no surprise, the top 10 professions were medical because I was so focused on that idea of osteopathy that it had dictated all my choices and all my answers throughout the test. But when I sat down with my careers counsellor, it was a test that she hadn't herself, uh, I guess, been involved with before. So she asked me about it. And there was one specific section in the test, which was all about shapes. And it may sound silly, but it was about the, the ordering, the logic, the rotation, which one came next in the series, how did you get one shape to the other? And I got so excited talking about it that she said, Nicole, you should be an engineer. And I went, okay. But at that point, I had to change my preferences for university because I'd already submitted them. Yeah, changed all my preferences and ended up with engineering. So how much stress and strain does that put on you in year 12 to get halfway through it to realise that you want to do something totally different than what you thought? Not as much as you'd think in my case, because what I did was take some time to reflect on where those changes, I guess, what prompted those changes. And I will say since, since high school, I've done quite a few presentations on my journey and how I came to engineering. And I realised that there was actually a lot of engineering exposure that I got, but I didn't realise it was engineering. Such as what? Growing up, I spent a lot of time or went to science works quite a bit. And I was always fascinated with how things work and why things work certain ways. My dad worked in aviation. My grandfather was an engineer. And we were always looking at puzzles and reasoning and logic. But I didn't realise that that was engineering. So I think when I went into, I guess, making this change in year 12, it changed the direction of what I wanted to study. But it didn't actually end up changing the course that I chose. So I guess it wasn't too much stress because the focus in year 12 was just to get to the end of year 12. Um, so the, the later point wasn't as stressful. So there was no one within the school system or maybe within your support network who was able to help you decide a career pathway any earlier? We'd had a lot of presentations um, and I guess gained a lot of information, but engineering wasn't I guess, given as an option or it wasn't something that even if it was, I wasn't listening for. So to me, we had people come into the school from, say, the emergency services. We had presenters or learning about sort of teaching or medical side of things, but we didn't have an engineer come and talk to us. So there was no awareness of what it could be and even what engineering was. You know better than most that engineering is a, a very broad industry. There's many pathways in which you can take. When you were told, go and study engineering, was that just as simple as it was? Or did they say, well, perhaps maybe this area of engineering you could focus on? Or did you just get the, the overarching industry and go from there? It was the overarching industry. So as I mentioned, that my decision didn't change the course. So I'd selected to study a Bachelor of Science at Melbourne, which I guess was equivalent. I could could have studied osteopathy through that. I could have studied um, engineering through that. It was their new Melbourne model degree and I was the first year of the intake. So it wasn't until I started at university that I had to start selecting my subjects that I guess I needed to figure out what type of engineering. And that became reading the course handbook and figuring out which ones sounded more interesting than others. So no, I didn't, I guess, have any 
support or awareness of different types. I just sort of thought about what was I more interested in and you'd say on a simplistic side, electrical, mechanical, structural, civil, sort of breaking it down and, yeah, it was structural for me. You've gone through year 12. You're now heading into university. Are you doing so confidently? It was a change. I think going from a high school graduating class of about 100 people from the western suburbs, I didn't know what I didn't know. And moving to the University of Melbourne, which I hadn't spent a lot of time in Melbourne, I hadn't travelled on a train every day to get to anywhere, Uh, and also the diversity of people within my course, having a lot of international students as well as students from all across Australia, it was an adjustment and I guess Part of what I struggled with, I I guess you go from the big fish in a small pond to the small fish in a big pond. And so it was, yeah, definitely an adjustment to realise that university was so much more self-guided than it was stepped out for you. What did you put in place to handle that adjustment to make sure that you were going to get over it and function as a student? I think you just do what you do. there, There wasn't, for me, a specific plan in place. It's just this was what I was wanting to do. I I had the idea that engineering was there. And for me, I'm very comfortable studying. And that was an area that I knew I could do. So for me, I guess it focused around just getting the work done, but no particular to plan in place. I'd say still living um, out West when I was studying. My days were very controlled by train timetables and the the lovely V-line trains in Victoria that only run every hour. So a lot of my days were very much controlled by the train timetables. So it wasn't a big party for you? It wasn't. Part of me regrets not taking that opportunity when I had it. I was always on the train home before the party started. What did you learn during that period of study that uh, you've come to rely on in your career that you perhaps maybe didn't realise at the time? I think a lot of it's around the self-guided learning and figuring out what your timeframes are and, I guess, time management. So... While I was at university, I was also working full-time over my university breaks and I was volunteering with a not-for-profit organisation. So for me, it wasn't just the experience of study whilst at university. It was being able to work through different areas or different paths within my career to be able to define that. And I don't like the term balance, but it probably works in this situation, which is balancing out the, the three different I guess, passions of mine, which was the study, the volunteering and the work. In terms of your university life, your days, how were you spending them? Was it just coursework and then home again on the train or did you try to build some friendships there as well? How did it all play out? I sort of had two different experiences. The first was in first year and then from second year onwards, it was quite different. Or first two years, I should say, and then from third year onwards, it was quite different. So the first two years, I was involved in a range of groups, catching up with friends, usually for lunches or for study sessions and I guess enjoying the life that university entails. So that was, I guess, quite a good time period just to adjust to the expectations of university. So the timelines, the assignments, studying for exams and just understanding how it all worked. So I was involved in the Engineering Student Society. I I went to their events. I was part of the French club and going along to French-speaking classes. It was after third year or at third year that things, I guess, changed for me. And I made the decision to to step into a leadership role in a not-for-profit. And that really then became the crux or the, 
the center of my life. Um, so whilst I was studying and I was working, um, the volunteering really took precedence. And I guess I made the decision to choose volunteering over a lot of the, the social activities that university had to offer. We're going to talk about your volunteering in our next episode, but just rounding out the university. So that literally governed what you would and wouldn't do with your time. So obviously you've got less time and you mentioned it's, you know, you don't like using the word balance. Did you make any decisions around that to not necessarily associate with people or was it more just organic and it just came through and that's just where your focus needed to be and your friends understood that? Yeah, it was really about the the organic change that the volunteering controlled. And within the organisation itself, I established some really close friendships. And I guess they were became, the my social circle became the volunteering circle. And we all shared a passion for what we were trying to do. And it was just coincidence that we were all studying the same subject. So when we got together, we could talk about anything from um, what was happening in the world to what we were doing in the volunteering space to what was due the next day. So I guess the spheres coincided and overlapped quite significantly during that time. And as I moved into my master's degree afterwards, so the Melbourne model was a three-year undergraduate, two-year master's. Because of the volunteering commitments, mine extended to a three-and-a-half-year undergrad and a two-and-a-half-year master's. I guess I I connected with a different group when I was going through my master's who weren't involved in the volunteering. And they were just amazing in, I guess, supporting me to be able to, to continue with my volunteering whilst reaching the demands of a, a master's degree um, and then made sure that we had time to socialise and, and connect outside of that. It all sounds really supportive, but you are also in studying similar things. You want similar things out of your career from there. Was there ever a competitive streak in some of them every so often or it was all generally fine? No, I don't think so. I, d- I didn't feel a competitive streak at university. I think I always had my competitors at high school and one in particular, and I'd say the only other person, I shouldn't say the only person, we had three students that became engineers from my graduating class and one of them, we were in constant competition to outdo each other and he's now working as, a, as an engineer at Bluescope, so doing amazing things himself. At university, I think we just supported each other to get through. We all wanted to go into different areas, so that really helped Um, that we were able to support each other to get through the subjects, but we all had different career goals. Are you still in regular contact with these people that you've studied with? Is the friendship still alive? Yes, definitely. My friendships from from university are still really strong. We're still working in different sectors. So I'm in the construction space, but a lot of my friends are in the transport space. We don't have, I guess, direct overlap, but still chat on a regular basis. How has that helped you throughout the course of your career, just those support networks? I think the support networks from friends at uni help in two different ways. One is that they've known who you are for quite a long time and have been able to support you through different stages of your life. So there's sort of an element of just knowing and understanding who you are as individuals. But I think the other aspect, especially when you're talking about your career, is that we can learn from each other. And as I mentioned, a lot of my friends are in transport and I'm learning things about the transport space that I wouldn't normally get in my discipline. So it's really interesting just to hear about their experiences in industry, to hear about what work they're doing. And it gives me a greater appreciation for different types of engineering. You mentioned earlier that it was the the second half of year 12 that you decided engineering was for you. Did you ever get through to university and think, maybe I've made the wrong decision here? 
It's an interesting question because at the time I changed all my preferences. I actually got a cadetship with an engineering company while I was in year 12 before I'd even got into university and I still wasn't sure if engineering was for me. Why was that? I mean, you've obviously formed your friendships uh, there. You're a good student, so you would have been doing well. Why was that niggling away saying, maybe it's not right for me? Where was that coming from? I was quite fortunate to be in a position where I had a lot of options and my decisions were really heavily based on what I wanted to do. And when I was 18, I just didn't know didn't know for sure or didn't know if this was what was going to be the rest of my life. And I guess there's always, there's a lot of uncertainty when you're in high school or even at university, which is, have I chosen the right profession? Is this what I actually enjoy? And that's a question that is for me something that I'm continuously asking myself is, is this what I want? Is this what I enjoy? And it is a difficult question to answer. Even now that you've moved on to your career, and we know and we're about to talk about in our next episode, some of the successes you've had, and there's quite a few of them, even now there are moments where you think, is this what I really want? Oh, absolutely. It, it's something that I think we all need to continuously assess. And well, current statistics say that we're going to have seven or eight careers in our lifetime, and some of them are going to be completely different. And I have friends that have changed quite dramatically in terms of what they've been involved with and what they've experienced. So at the moment, I love what I do, but there are definitely times where you do question. I think it's there's a need for constant reflection um, to make sure you're doing what makes you happy. So what are some of your other interests then, which might then bring on a career change? So I guess my travel was always something that I was really passionate about. I really enjoy understanding and learning about different cultures and the way people think and work in different areas. I've been able to achieve that through some of my volunteering to be able to understand and talk to and work with people with different backgrounds because we don't know what we don't know. And there's so many challenges that others have amazing solutions for that we can learn from. So I really enjoy that collaboration and learning. I think another area for me that I'm really passionate about is leadership and is development. So it's an area that I think Leadership is changing. The definition of who leaders are and what we need leaders to be has evolved so much over the last 10 years. And I'd like to be able to to support others to learn who they are as leaders and what impact they can have on others. So there's a lot of different, I guess, areas that I'm interested in, but it really does come down to supporting others, but learning what we don't know to be able to connect people, to be able to share those experiences. So based on your experience, what advice would you have for a a student who's listening, who's not 100% sure if they're in the right course, doesn't know if it's going to be a long-term career for them? What can you say? For those that aren't sure if they're in the right place, that's perfectly okay. Not everyone knows what they want to do or what they want to be when they grow up. My biggest piece of advice is to take time to reflect on what you're doing and why you're doing it. So an exercise that I've done so many times, there's actually two. One is to understand what's your why, to understand why you're doing something and does it make you happy. But the second thing is also to to do exercises to find out what your values are. That may seem like an abstract concept. When I went through the process of determining what my top three values are, it gave me a sense of purpose and it gave me a sense of 
understanding as to why I make the decisions that I make and why I want to do certain things over others. So if you don't know what you're doing, it's perfectly okay, but take the time to reflect to figure out what's your why and what do you value in life. What was your process there to discover those values? It was something that I went through in a leadership course and you can download a list of values online. And I think when I did the exercise, there was about a hundred values, which I had, and they were all printed off into little individual pieces of paper. And I spread them out over the floor. I was told I was not allowed to order them into rows, columns, or in any logical order, like my engineering tendencies wanted me to, (laughs) which I struggled with, but to spread them all out on the floor and go through them and pick out your top 10. So go through all the values and The values could be financial stability or it could be perseverance or it could be emotional opportunity or something like that and be able to to process and select your top 10 values. So my way, they were all spread out on the floor. I'd pick up two random ones, look at them and go, okay, this one means more to me. And then I narrowed it down. And then when you get to your top 10, I guess the hardest part begins is you start to rank your top 10. And it's that process of what relates to you more than others and to be able to find your top three. And I I shall share with you what my top three values are. Uh, So for me, it came down to perseverance, reliability and global perspective. And what that's enabled me to do is understand why I'm frustrated if people don't jump on things and, and do what they say they'll do. And it's like, okay, because that's how I operate. It's enabled me to have those conversations with people I'm working with earlier to say, this is what I respond to, and this is why. And it also gives me a reason behind a lot of my volunteering choices and what I get involved with. And that global perspective is all around learning about different people, learning about different cultures. And the the perseverance is I if I set a goal, it's it's happening and I'll work through whatever I can to get there. So to me, the value side of things in particular has made a huge impact on being more comfortable and own the decisions that I make and understand why I make those decisions. Did this process that you engaged in, was that when you were working or did it begin as a student? That process and that exercise I did when I was working, I was probably about two years out of university, but it's an exercise that you can do at any stage in your life. It's also one that I've done when I'm weighing up different values. I did it once to see what I valued in my work life, in my career, And I did another time to figure out what I valued in my personal life. And I found that the values in both spaces were actually quite similar for me. So it's something that you can apply at any stage. uh, And I'm sure it's something that you can quite easily find online, the list of values to be able to narrow it down. Some great advice, Nicole Brown. Thank you very much. Stay right where you are because we're going to talk about your career in our next episode. Nicole Brown is proof that reflecting on your why and identifying your values can help in choosing a degree to pursue at university. And with these values and principles to guide you, any student can find what they want to study at university and then excel at it. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.